Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I am Tina Marks, your host. So, you know, this week has been really heavy with what's going on in the world between the pandemic and with our government. Today, I'm going to be talking to an educator. He is a dean, and he's also a counselor in the school system. I really want to ask a lot of questions on how this is affecting our children. You know, it's we talk, there's so much news out there about suicide and depression, and we always think about the adults, but what's happening with the kids? Tune in and find out. Up next, Dr. N. And here he is. Welcome, Dr. N. How Thank are you today? Awesome. Doing fantastic. Couldn't wait for our show. And uh, good. We had uh, some technical issues just now with the recording and we we got back on track. We're resilient, right? You know, if if first it doesn't uh, happen, try, try again. Remember that old thing? Dr. Lori and I had to do it three times. So the whole show three times? No, no, not the whole show, but we had to cancel twice. And then the third time's a charm. Um, wow. Okay. And you know what? It's pandemic period and we just got to be resilient and roll with it. You're not kidding. And I want to get into that a little bit later. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, as I, in my introduction, I was telling our audience that you are an educator. Okay. But before you were an educator, we want to, we want to know why you became an educator because, you know, I, I've always kind of been fascinated by that because personally, I don't think I could do it. Well, it takes a lot of patience. Um, First of all, well, why I got an education is because um, I wanted to help kids and I actually was born with a slight case of cerebral palsy, which affects your motor skills. And I could, you could have a whole podcast on that, but obviously we don't have time for that. So I'll give you the skinny on cerebral palsy. It's motor, it affects your motor skills. I was born um, two months premature um, and my late great father, Joe Nesser and um, my mother, Seal Nesser, 85 now, God bless her. Mm. Uh, they raised five sons. You have one son. Can you believe? Multiply your son times five. Yeah, my mom did. My mom actually uh, had six. Yeah. Oh, wow. From 18 until 40. Good Started night. at 18, la- me, last wow. one was 40. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so um, I wanted to help kids because when I see a kid in a wheelchair, when I see any person with a disability, um, that's really, really hit me home. Um, still does obviously. And I wanted to get involved with helping kids because I have a disability. The disability didn't affect my intellect. Um, as the doctor, as the neurologist told Seal and Joe Nesser in 1970, um, when I was playing with blocks at Highland hospital, mm-hmm. that's how he figured it out. He said, wow, you know what? Seal and Joe, your son, there's, there's nothing wrong with your son. Your son's very intelligent. I can tell by the way he's playing with the blocks, he's building things. And, but your son has a slight case of cerebral palsy. What's that? You know, yeah, what is that? So in, people don't, um, I'm not even quite sure what that so, is. So pretty much it affects your, it's a cerebral part of your brain, which affects the motor skills of your brain. So the right side of my body is slightly smaller than my left side. So literally my pinkies, if you could see my pinkies. Yeah. One's definitely longer than the other. Longer than the other. And so my left foot is 11 
um, size 11 and my right foot is 9.5. Do you have to buy two pairs of shoes all the time? No, 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 no. I, I buy lift. So with that said, I'm using that as a platform for, uh-huh. wow, in the 70s and 80s, I struggled with, do I feel ashamed? Because that's what people did back then because they weren't, they didn't know resilience. Mm-hmm. They didn't know be transparent with Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, they struggled. We struggled, you know, they struggled in those decades with, well, I don't want people to make fun of me. Really, it was, I didn't want people to make fun of me and be different. I didn't want people to treat me different. Mm-hmm. So basketball was my way out. And I actually was a point guard and I had to eat with my right hand and I had to do different things around the house with my right hand so that my right hand motor skills um, kind of matched up to my left hand. Still to this day, they're not the same, but uh-huh. they're close. Um, and I played the guitar. I played the Takamine guitar, which I picked with my fingers. Um, my parents wanted me to play the Takamine guitar to develop my motor skill set. And Larry Johnson was my teacher whose his teacher was Segovia. And Larry Johnson was a big time um, classical guitarist. And he looked at me one day and he said, Damien, as much as you love the classical guitar, you just don't have the talent. You just what? You just don't have the talent. You just don't have the talent. Yeah. But and then I started you doing it because you loved the guitar. You were doing it to strengthen your hands. Because a, little of, a little of both. Um, okay. And then I realized and came to the crashing reality that. I just don't have the talent and I'm giving it up because it's very frustrating. You're never going to be an Eddie Van Halen. I'm never going to be Eddie. <laughs> so I gave my Takamini guitar to Anthony Sanchez in the church that I used to go to in New York. And he is playing it like an angel to this day. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So, so the doctor says there's nothing, you know, you're a very smart kid, but you failed first grade. I did fail first grade in my transparent bio on lifeisaclassroom.net. Um, it, it was devastating to me because- What was the reason for that? I wanted to be first place. Um, there was pressure on me. I think a little from my family because um, you know I have a very successful family uh, that have successful careers and that was pushed by my parents. You need to get a gr- degree and do good in school. And they weren't, they weren't um, overbearing necessarily, but the pressure was there. Um, I, have a, I have a brother who's a judge and a, a brother who's a- my brother Joe and my brother Mark owns a salon that was taken over by him and his wife, Mary Elizabeth. And the, my, my, my father and my mother had their own hair salon for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, successful business. My brother Paul's a salesman and my brother Matt works in the same school district as I do. He's an athletic director. He's a big time basketball player. And I read that your mom actually left the hair salon so she could go be closer to you at school and be like the class mom or something like that. Yeah, she was the, she was the class mom outwardly. Uh-huh. But as mother hen would put it, she was watching Damien every step of the way because I was in the low, they used to call it the low reading group and the high reading and group. The high and you can't say that today because you'll get not, not necessarily sued, but the parents will call the, you know, the district and say, Hey, you're, you know, you're um, stressing out my son or my daughter because you're calling them low. You know what I mean? You don't use those terms anymore. So it's intensive, it's intensive reading and intensive math. So I was in the 1970s intensive reading and intensive math of the day. Oh, so that's why you failed first grade because you were above your level. Is that what you're saying? No, I failed first grade because I wanted to be the first one done. And I, it was, it was overwhelming to me. I didn't understand the work and I cried every day. And my mother would spend countless hours with me, you know, and cry me to sleep sometimes 
Be the um, first one done. I'm still trying to get my head around this. Be the well, first be, one being done. the first one done. Like I thought I could prove everybody how sm- to everybody how smart I was. Yeah. By being the first one done with class classwork. Classwork. So rushed, oh, so you rushed, so rushed through, through my work. So, so did Ms. I. That's why yeah. I, I wanted to go there because I was. Yeah, just good. Away. Yeah. So, so Miss Gallia, who's still alive to this day, was my first grade was my first grade teacher, um, twice. And then my fifth grade teacher, right? So mm-hmm. I had her three times. And then 38 years later, when my dad died, she was at my father's funeral. She came up to me, this older woman with gray hair came up to me at St. Louis Church in Pittsburgh, New York. Um, shout out to Pittsburgh, New York. Um, and uh, she, I didn't know who she was. Right. She said, hi, Damien. Well, how, what? And, and, and I said, who are you? I said, who are, yeah, I said, I who are you? Yeah. And she said, I'm Miss Galia. And I I got up, I hugged her and I bawled my eyeballs out for like three minutes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a question. The wanting to be first and rushing through it, because I know what it was for me. So was it rushing through because you thought if you rushed through and you were the first one done, it would look like you were the smartest one? Yes. Were you rushing because of fear? Like get me away from it? Because I used to rush through tests because there was so much anxiety. In taking the Big test, time. and I just wanted to be done. I didn't. Big I time. could not relax and take my time. Do you have? Do you have any kind of anxiety um, underlying anxiety issues? Great question. Mm-hmm. As, when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, before I was eighteen, because eighteen was a pivotal point in my life, um, I had a lot of anxiety. I mm-hmm. always wanted to be first. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, what are people going to think about me if I finished? third in the class, you know, with the classwork. And I still communicate with some of my friends um, from first grade, from the original, you know, from initial first grade. Yeah, but that had to come from somewhere. That it was coming from the pressure of your parents. Because no pressure, third, the, pressure, pressure of the parents and pressure, pressure of the parents. My, my father couldn't help us with homework because he dropped out in 10th grade, but he was brilliant with money. Right. He was brilliant with, you know, buying land and, and stocks and all that. And he set my mom up very well. But my mom was just really... Kind of tough, kind of, I, I guess, tougher on me because I had cerebral palsy and she didn't want me to be, she wanted me to be successful in my own right, whatever I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as a mom, obviously, you know, you have a it was coming. It was coming from a good place, but the translation yeah. affected, you know, because that, you and I are like very similar where that very, comes very from. Similar. It was my father. You're making father, me think of stuff I've like, never thought before. Um, about this whole situation. And I just really? recently found out that I have three kinds of ADD, which explains so okay. much for me. And one wow. of them is the ring of fire. And my uh, girl, I was on the phone with my girlfriend and she says, you have ring of fire? And I said, you lost one of them. And she says, well, my son hasn't. She goes, Tina, do you know anything about it? I said, no, I just kind of learned this out and I really haven't done a lot of research. She goes, well, put it this way. You know, when we went to go see his doctor, the doctor had taken a picture of his brain and yeah. she said, this is your son's brain when he's not thinking. And his whole brain was lit up. And it was just kind of a relief for me because I know how that feels. Like it's just on yeah. all the time. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as an educator, you know more about this than I do. I mean, you're not a doctor. Well, you are a doctor, but you're not a, you not know, a medical doctor. physiology doctor. But, you know, I'm wondering if I didn't have that pressure. I mean, it did serve me in a lot of ways. I will say that, but you know, that created the anxiety or 
I'm thinking it created. No, no I don't question. think I came out of the womb that way. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. No, no question about it. It creates anxiety in kids. I talk to parents all the time, um, you know, and, and grandparents and guardians. And it's, it's amazing the myriad of people that I talk to in the day and age we live, especially, especially during the pandemic with, you know, divorce rates are skyrocketing and CPS and it's, it's really a nightmare. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know, so let me just shout out to the parents and all the parents that are watching, because a lot of parents are probably going to be watching this show. Yes. And even though you have the best intentions um, for your children, if you put too much pressure on them, you are changing their lives. I, I'm. Yes, I'm, I agree with that whole. I, I'm, whole I mean, part, I have anxiety now, and whole, I refuse to. Take, you know pharma, you know, I'm working with my doctor right now to, I'm doing meditation twice a day, but I think this is just something I'm going to have to live with the rest of my life. I mean, it's, it's, it's there now. Yeah. I mean, I had, I took Ritalin for a while and mm -hmm. because I could focus and it helped me focus. That really me too. I, that, yeah, exactly. I have to play music in the background that helps me. If it's silent, I cannot focus. And, yeah. and, it, and so Eventually, as I got a little older, I didn't want to take it anymore because I wanted to prove to myself uh, that I didn't need to take Ritalin anymore. And I don't want to depend on Ritalin. I want to be focused. I want to have my routines, which I did. Basketball was a huge, huge outlet for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the guitar was big until, you know, that crashed and burned because I just, hey, listen, Damien, you got to come to reality. You're not going to be playing in front of hundreds of people or thousands of people. Just go on to something else. And I did. And that's what I tell the kids at school and the parents and Dr. N, could you give us advice on, well, before I give you advice, let me, let me preface this. I've never been married, don't have any kids, but I'll tell you my 25 years of experience. Mm -hmm. um, and what I've learned through school and through research, because I do a lot of research mm -hmm. um, and I give them my professional opinion. And that's very, very important. Oh, very so, important. You got to back it up with facts. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, exactly. so something happened in high school. So high school, you did start partying now and you started using alcohol. What, what happened um, there at that point? I did. Um, we, I actually went to school with Darcy Glazer, who's the owner of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, in Pittsburgh, New York. And um, some of the errant to pairs, uh, 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 the heirs of Xerox Corporation, hmm. uh, with the Wilson family and several other people. But, you know, so we had money. Mm -hmm. um, I drove a hot rod 1973 Plymouth Barracuda. Uh, and I used to park it next to Darcy Glazer's back. You know, picture this. You're, you're 17 years old and you're rolling up in a Barracuda with Prager wheels and it's shiny and beautiful. And, and there's vats and there's different, um, you know, there's Jaguars and it's the, you know, upper, upper middle-class uh, school, um, good school. And then we, we used to go play, you know, pool in my billiards in my parents' house during school. Mm -hmm. uh, and just, it just was fun. And I really didn't have to concentrate on school a lot to get through because I went to a Jesuit school my first two years and I had four hours of homework a night. And then I went to, and I just took the easy road. Eh, I'm going to skate my junior and senior year. And that's what I did. And, and, you know, it was, it was partying and Harleys and riding on Harleys and, and just going, I never skipped school. Mm -hmm. All that. I never skipped school. I went, I didn't either. I, I, our lives are, I did not realize how, how much our lives were so similar. I went no, no, I, but, but, yeah. but because I realized even though I was partying and stuff and I went to school high, almost my junior year, I went to school high almost every day. No, um, and that's okay. the first time I've ever admitted to anybody out, out loud like that. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it's, 
But you know what? That's part of being transparent. That's part of being exactly. Thank you for that. And, Thank and, you for that. Yeah. And peeling back the onion. Everybody is an onion to some mm-hmm. extent with layers. Yes. Uh, and they need to peel that back. There's, listen, I'm not going to die and you're not going to die without peeling back some of that onion, right? Well, Um, if you don't peel it back, you're not going to move forward. And if you're you're not not moving forward, you're going to move backwards. You're not going to just stay in one place. That's what people don't understand. That's right. And as Dr. Taryn Marie would say, and and Amberly Lago would say, um, you're not, I, I grew up, I grew up thinking my parents taught us and they didn't know, um, well, you gotta bounce back. Guess what? There's no such thing as you know as bouncing back. You gotta bounce forward and move forward and progress. Mm-hmm. You gotta move forward, about. and that's 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 life changing. That's mm-hmm. a that's a concept that a lot of people. Well, I'll just bounce back. You're not gonna bounce. You don't want to bounce back. Into you the- have to take the action to bounce back. That's the thing. You know, that's you right. have to. It's it's got it's it's a mental attitude. It is. You know, and it's interesting because I want to bring this up right now because I was I was walking today and, you know, I had locked up my back for, I don't think I even threw it out, but I was on my back for 24 hours after a hike on Sunday. Um, actually, I didn't even lock up till Monday after a couple of calls. And then I, so I hadn't exercised at all. For me, that's like number one and I can't wait. Well, when you don't do it for a while, then you kind of get late. Like I didn't, now my back's healed. I haven't right. done anything since last Sunday. And it's, you know, yesterday I probably could. I'm like, well, one more day, just, just to make sure, you know, this is what my head is telling me. Yep, and right. today I finally realized that part of my brain is just being lazy. I didn't feel like doing it. I just didn't feel like doing it. And if you wait until you feel like getting into action, that's the biggest mistake that most people get. You've got to get your head on to get into the feeling to take the action. So I you agree. just got to have uh, like a serious talking to yourself. Yeah. I mean, the, in groups and, and individual counseling and the kids are starting to come to me on their own now um, more um, certain, certain students. And, you know, it's interesting because what you said is I always try to emphasize focus. Um, what does focus mean to a kid? You know, it needs to be explained step by step. And, and I use different examples depending on the kid. Every kid's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what some, some counselors that I, that I know from the past and that I've worked with, they made that mistake because you can't pigeonhole any kid. Every kid's from a different scenario. Um, I love whether, that. Yeah. Yeah. So whether it be from grandma, grandpa, guardian, whatever, I mean, it's really in the pandemic, as I said, mentioned before, it's just raised every kind of nasty scenario there is to raise. Like, I mean, screaming parents and and grand, I've had grandmothers call me up and say, Dr. Ann, I can't do it anymore. What do I do? This is a nightmare. Yeah. And, and it's it's tough. I mean. So tell me what you're seeing. What are some of the the backlash that you're hearing from the kids seeing? I mean. Well, just it's I call it the abyss. So I do home visits for my school. You do home visits? I do home visits. It's like and, in the old day when the doctor used to come to your house. Oh yeah. I ha- I do home visits in, in, in some of the neighborhoods I go into. I, I carry dog treats. Um, I have a pit bull named Bruno who's very nice, but there are some not so nice pit bulls that mm-hmm. are behind fences that will literally take your hand or hat or or foot off if you pass that white picket fence. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I have a dog treat and I'll just throw the dog treat, but I that's that's my cue for I'm not really visiting this house. I'm going to take a day off from this house and come back next time when he's not there. 
Okay, so but you you have two roles at the school. You mm-hmm. are a dean and you're also a counselor. And you know, you and I were talking before the show and I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, the you're the dean and you take that hat off and now I mean, because so, they're really yeah. opposite so, is what they so are. So the dean role is, you know, I slap the hand of Sally Seward or John Doe and say, this is the warning. This is called counsel and warn. I'm going to warn you. If you do this infraction again, it's going to be duly noted. I put it in the computer. I literally, you know, state, you know, do you understand? Yes, Dr. N. Okay, I'm giving you a break. Go back to class and 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 they might get like lunch detention. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing big. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even gonna call your mom. Just you're just gonna get lunch detention. So that's my role as a dean. But as a counselor, it's much more broad in the wellness world where I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to to I'm I t- I've talked to parents before that, you know, were arguing back and forth saying, I don't know if I could stay with my husband. You know, I don't know if I could stay with him anymore. I can, I don't know if I could stay with my wife anymore. You know, it's heartbreaking. You're um, dealing with the whole family is just as oh, opposed to just that. That's brilliant. That's oh, brilliant. oh, well, because I have the skill set to do it, but, and I'm not, I'm not bragging or patting myself on the back at all when I say this, but my administration is very sharp. Uh, they know exactly what they're doing. And that's why the district rolled out this new role because they want me to curve problems. So before, uh, like today, literally today, I had a, we, it went from three girls having a little uh, dispute to, wow, it went up to like eight girls and we had to figure out who was the culprit and it took two hours and I got the other Dean and one of the other Dean deans involved and we figured it out. Um, and we squashed it. We call it squashing it. And uh, so it's tough. You know, you got six now, and seven. Are, seven are you finding that the kids are afraid of the pandemic or are they kind of blowing it off? Um, I mean, initially they were very afraid. Uh-huh. What is the thing? It's like the plague of Egypt. Uh, and we don't know what it is. And, you know, people are dying. You know, I've had some, some of my um, friends that uh, they're really acquaintances. Um, I've had two acquaintances that I um, had um, a little interaction with in the past years ago that died of COVID. Mm-hmm. So it hit, hit home with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell, we, we're very strict in our district and school about um, kids wearing masks. So you're all, keeping... op- you're, op- you're not closed. Oh no, we're, you know, as Amberly mentioned on the, when she was on my show, um, it's like, I think she called California the, epicenter of the pandemic. It really is. Yeah. So and you, and you live in California. I live in California too. Yeah. Well, my, you know, it's, I feel so blessed because my son is almost 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank God he's not like two or three or four. I mean, you know, I'm a single mom. I, I don't know how I'd be able to work if I have yeah. to homeschool him. Oh no. It's, the, other, the other I, blessing was that he's been going to a smaller school and he's always had the choice to go on. He, he's, you know, the last couple of years has been going to campus but it's only three days a week, but he has the choice to do it. So making the move to online is nothing, nothing different for him. You know, well, here's, here's, here's the thing that when you just said that this clicked and I I have to say this, that the, one of the big problems that um, educators and districts are facing now and have faced uh, the last couple of months is, wow, most kids are visual learners. It's a fact. It's a research fact, Mm -hmm. but when you take away that teacher, if you are my teacher and I had to go online, if, if I was Damien back in the 
70s and this happened in the 70s, I would have been a basket case because I need Miss Tina to look at me in the eye when I'm learning. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I had Evan Carmichael on the show and he was talking about the same thing because I listen to audiobooks. He says, yeah. and he says, even, you know, when I was interviewing him, he said, Tina, this is so much better than a podcast. The fact that, I mean, you know, this will be translated to a podcast, but the fact that he could see me yeah, um, right. just made him connect. And, you know, I want to go back here for a second. We we're talking about kids learning and you said you were not a good um, test taker. Neither was I, you know, and, and the shame you feel if you don't, if you're, oh. if you don't do well in tests, especially state tests. Cause I, I've never, you've never gotten down on my son for that because I'm just like, you know, he's just, you know, right. we have to tell our kids, but there are parents that go, you know, study harder, study hard. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be anxiety. I, I can have, there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that question. I can have a whole podcast just on that. Um, as a matter of fact, my second, my second season is going to be a series uh, of different things, you know, depression or um, education, and you'll definitely be involved Perfect. with that. Um, so to, to, to go to now to back to the past. So I'm going to talk about now. That's okay. just, it, it's just, it's amazing how people just struggle with the fact of, wow, you know what, we're going to put all these, we're going to put these kids in, um, in a visual in a computer, in front of a computer, we're going to give them sounded brilliant. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you put me back, actually, if you put me back in the seventies and you put uh, Damien, you know, at 12 years old or 11 years old with a computer in front of him. Okay. Damien, you have to uh, learn from it's called schoolology, schoolology in our district. Um, mm-hmm. And they, I'm sure they have similar platforms all over the country mm-hmm. uh, and or all over the world, wherever they're having problems with the, with the uh, virus. Um, you can't expect a visual learner who's routine because the main thing for a teacher is class classroom management and um, making sure you have good lesson plans. Because if you don't have both, you're not going to be a successful teacher. I was a classroom teacher for 19 years at different levels mm-hmm. okay, before I was a counselor. So, so in a dean. So with that said, if you take a kid out of their routine environment, we'll call it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you place them just like, anything. It could be, it could be, um, trees and plants. And if you take the trees and plants, even, even, um, palm trees, I had a palm tree in front of my house. That was a, I think it was a Christmas palm tree. It was called, and it didn't last. It died. Why? Because it wasn't supposed to be in the environment. It was supposed to be in another part of Florida. Um, it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't live. So the same concept and principle, um, goes with kids. You can't take a kid out of their routine environment and expect them to be successful right away. Eventually, some of the kids will adjust and be resilient. Some Mm -hmm. of them won't. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me talk about the abyss, the abyss and why I, of students and why I go on um, home visits. There's, I don't know, I'm, I'm guesstimating this number. It's it's not a fact. I'm just guesstimating. There's got to be one one to 200 kids or 100 to 150 kids per school, depending on the school. We have a tough demographic, a tough um, school population Mm -hmm. uh, where the kids are being raised by grandma or a Mm -hmm. single mom or, or, or a mom that doesn't even care Mm -hmm. that siblings, mommy dearest 
are actually, I, we, I go real deep with this, but I'm going to be real surfacey without getting, because we have other stuff to talk about. Um, I, I talk to young girls that are running their home and mom mm. goes out and gallivants. My mom used that word, gallivants around. You're dating I, yourself. I, and I, and I, and I have to, and I have to watch the kids, Dr. Yeah. And, I have responsibility. and I have to cook and I have to do everything. I think of mommy dear. So I'm like, oh my goodness. I was thinking about basketball and doing my homework. Right. And you're about doing all this stuff. Their wow. childhood is cut short. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so all these kids aren't being successful in their learning because, oh, there was a record number of F's in our school mm-hmm. and such in, in, in several schools in mm-hmm. our district and around the country. What do we do? Teachers are getting frustrated. Come into my office. I feel like Quentin. I don't want to do this anymore. I've never been so frustrated. I'm trying to teach a lesson. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can be resilient. I know you can. And I'm a cheerleader. Now I'm putting a cheerleader hat on, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, I'm a cheerleader. I'm, that's my MO because of my disability and because I wanted to prove people wrong because the doctor said, I'm glad it came to my mind now. The doctor said to Seal and Joe Nesser, your son may never walk normal, may never run, may, excuse me, I'm, I'm got to hold back a second. I'm tearing up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So never do this, never do that. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I am going to do it. So those who are listening with a disability, you can do it. And don't you let anyone ever tell you you can't. And Absolutely. so when, whenever anyone makes fun of anyone with any disability, boy, you want to see my Italian side and my Lebanese side come out in full force. Ooh. Good night. <laughs> what a combo there. That, yeah. yeah well, Fiery. You know, my, my, uh, my parents, um, as you read in my bio, um, were dancing to Frank Sinatra. Um, yeah, I, fly I don't me know to, if it was new. Fly Me to the Moon? Was that the song? Yeah, Fly Me to the Moon. Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah. Fly me to the moon. Great song. When so, water in the Catskills, right? Yeah. My mother's pregnant, and my father probably had a couple drinks. Um, that's why my mom got her license, by the way, years ago, because she didn't want my father to drink and drive okay. before there was even DUI. Oh, before they, there was even seatbelts. Yeah, before there was even seatbelts. <laughs> and, and the cigarettes were flying. So my mother, yeah. so my mother were, were, started to have some pains and going to, not real labor, but she started to have some pains. And so we got to get to Highland Hospital. So they drove in the Cunningham, uh, what were they called? The Cunningham Happy Days in the big... Uh, in the big car, and they drove from the Catskills to straight through to Highland Hospital and made it. And my mother had to deliver, you know, they delivered me two months premature. Um, mm-hmm. So when I see the kids, especially during the pandemic, yes, you can do it. You know, we had tutoring and we have tutoring going on with teachers. Ded- you talk about dedicated well, well, teachers. Well, let me ask you a question. There's a, the suicide rate in the pandemic. Not, I, we're just talking about kids right now. We're not talking about the adults, but has, has really skyrocketed. Yes. Right. So, you know, before the pandemic, I would say, I think a lot of that's attributed to neglect or bullying. Um, yep. Now with the pandemic, why would you say that, that it's rising with, with the kids? Well, I, I mean, when you don't have a strong foundation, I'm not talking about being a perfect parent because there's no. Mm, okay. Yeah. I see um, where you're going with this. But you were saying there's got to be routine. There's got to be just like a classroom. You got to have routine. I could go in a classroom and know in, in one 30 seconds, 
and for a new teacher that I've never seen before, whether they're a good teacher or whether they're so-so or whether they need a mentor, Mm -hmm. um, three levels to that. Same thing with a home. The principles are the same. You got to put your kids in a routine. You know that I'm preaching the choir. You got to have a routine for the kids because if you don't, they're going to go into depression. They're not going to find their strengths. They're not going to find their gifts in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could go on in another podcast, just with this conversation, yeah, really, exactly, exactly. And, and, and they don't know how to do it. Dr. N, what do I do? Uh, you know, they, they want me to give, they want me to give them a miracle answer. Right. Can you, well, Dr. N, can you talk to my daughter or my son about coming to school? There's a huge issue with attendance. Now, when you do these home visits, do you take the parents aside and, and talk to them or is it done all together? Um, no, I mean, I get the address and I get the information and it, there's different, um, there's different scenarios because some kids are in the abyss mode where we haven't seen or heard from the parent. We haven't seen the kid in four months. We haven't seen, talked to the parents in four months. We've called on the phone. We've tried to con different people. Can't get them on the phone. Can't get them on the phone. Uh, they're not answering the phone. Then when you go to the door, um, they, so, the other day, I was doing visits and yesterday, and I went to 15 houses, right? Mm-hmm. Four of the houses, I know the parents were home and I know some of the kids were home because I heard you just talking. weren't answering the door. Shh. Uh, at the door. Wow. Like, it, it's, that. yeah. It, you know, I, I want to go back to one thing that I have here in my notes um, that you, I, I started to touch upon it earlier when you were in high school and you were a partying lot, and then you decided that you, how did you go from partying to faith and health? You so at eight, party so at eight, faith and yeah, health. great, great question. Um, the, just the pinnacle changing point of my life. Um, and, and let me, let me say this and actually, um, your, your book, uh, really made me think and reflect a lot, um, which we'll get into, um, just, uh, uh, amazing the domino effect and, fear and faith and wow, free will and just so much loaded in that. And so at 18, long story short, um, you know, I kind of crashed down to the drinking and the partying and stuff. So my cousin, um, who is still alive, Chuck, my cousin, Chuck, who's on my mother's side of the family, um, wanted me to go to church with him and said, Hey, you should try our church. Um, it's community church. And um, so I did, um, out in Farmington, New York, uh, back in 1986. And, uh, I found my faith and it's changed my life. We would not be talking young people, parents, whoever's listening, we would not be talking if it wasn't for my faith and me finding my faith at 18, because I Absolutely. would have took, I would have took a different route. And let me tell you something. This is what, you know, I'm so passionate of, uh, about getting this message into the school systems, right? I mean, math, English, science. Yeah, I think the curriculum, I've said this before, I think the curriculum is outdated. I think that it applies to if somebody wants to be a doctor, I think that's Absolutely. great. There's, But you know, why is not fear addressed in school and faith addressed in school and accountability uh, and how you treat well, yourself and treat other people? And yeah. it's like- Well, we have a program. We have a program we use, Character Strong. I'm not getting, you know- I'm not doing it for, I'm not getting paid for the plug of character strong. It's, it's pretty much the name of it. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it talks about, you know, integrity and 
and forgiveness and honesty. Yes. Kids don't know. Kids don't know what forgiveness is. They have no idea. This is the cornerstone. And it, don't you agree with me, Doctor? Oh, no. If, if, oh, no. If these it, yeah. Is this the could be another podcast. Huh? Yeah. Oh, no. This could be another podcast. What we're touching on right now. Yeah. Okay. This is. This is. There's so many layers to this. But well, I think I'll, we're going gonna, gonna to have to do a part two. Yeah, we might have to do part two, but but pretty much what I'm saying is, even in your book, it really it really just uh, lit my just lit me up. Like, wow, there's so much in here, and so much I didn't know myself. And I have a theology degree too. I have a four year theology degree, and I integrate that theology without quoting the Bible. I integrate my theology principles all the time, every day. That's why I'm successful with people mm-hmm. because they, they work. There you go. You have principles that you live by, right? So I'm a very principled person. Yep. I have a lot, I have a lot of character that I didn't even think I had before I found my faith. And some of my friends, you know, I have Christian friends at work, mm-hmm. but then I have other friends that I'm close with that say, you know what? I don't know how you, the flip side, I don't know how you can, have faith and believe in faith. I don't tell them this when they say that, because I don't want to really get into a deep argument. I, I, I want to answer their questions. I don't want to necessarily get into an argument that's going to break off our friendship because I have a really close knit group of friends. Mm-hmm. Half of them are Christian, half of them aren't. Just like you um, want to talk about politics, I get well, it. Right. And I don't talk about politics with them. Um, right. and, and I don't right. talk about politics on my show. Um, but I tell them this I, to myself, I say, when they say to me outwardly, they say, well, I don't know how you can believe in faith. That's ridiculous. That's asinine, is it? And I say to myself, to myself, I don't know how you can't. I don't know how you can't. You know what? I was lost until I surrendered to, to faith. And, you know, at first, I, and I had, the, I had Dr. Erin on the show, and she is the divinity doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, she met metaphysics and everything. And I said, I have a, really and that's how you got introduced to metaphysics, I think, or was it your mom or my or? mom, my mom, my mom, yeah, was that was your mom that's far right. ahead of the game, you know, that's right. your book's amazing. I, yeah. I, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And it's just, uh, I don't know what I would do without my faith. And you know what, th- there's a saying, if you don't believe in something, you're going to fall for everything. Yeah. So if you don't, it's so true, right? You're well, just, And I have some of my brother's friends say, well, um, well, what do you, and I ask him in a general sense, well, what do you think is going to happen in your spirit? Is, is there a spiritual life? What happens when we die? Well, we just go into nothingness. I said, so that's your faith. That's what you're putting your bucket in. That's what you believe in. Mm -hmm. I guess you're right. Mm -hmm. And I said, I guess I am. Cause I, you know, I always try to make it light cause I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm very kids gloves when it comes to faith, but I still want to be stern and say, if you're asking me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth, but right. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it where your palate can take it. Um, I'm not going to necessarily say it in an offensive way, but Hey, the truth hurts. Sometimes if you, if you want to respect me as a person, you're going to respect my beliefs and well, I'm going to respect you. Know, your and, and, and what I, the older I get, the, the one thing I know you can't get back is your time and your energy. And I don't Absolutely. waste precious energy on trying to convince somebody. Can't do it. If somebody is open-minded, I'm happy to talk all, all day long. But if no, you're no going to just be debating me and thinking of a way to find me wrong, so to speak, I don't have time for that. I just, you know, right. no, you're, you're absolutely right. I won't you're, engage in I'm, political conversations, you know, calmly, but that rarely happens. You know, I mean, I'm really trying to see, and you know what? 
I think you gain more knowledge when you're more neutral and you become the observer instead Absolutely. of sticking to your point. So, you know, yeah. then, then you, you become closed minded and you miss a lot of opportunities. That's so true. I actually had um, four people, uh, family and friends, you know, two and two that actually texted me and called me and left voicemails stating their angst to me at the inopportune time of 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 2 a.m., 1 a.m. Yeah, isn't it shocking? Yeah. And they had to get it out and tell me how wrong I was because I thought so-and-so, I put some criticism towards so-and-so. I heard through one of your brothers because I have four brothers. Mm -hmm. One of them is a judge. And mm-hmm. my, my family's out in the community and mm-hmm. they can't wait. They want everybody's dying to find out who, what does Dr. N believe? I'm no party. I'm no party. And I want both parties to work together. That's how I give my, that's political. how I feel too. That's how I feel too. I mean, I was so, raised in a certain party, and but if it's you like, can't handle that answer. Then as my late great father, Joseph Nazar would say, so you know what? One thing I'm going to say is I think the people that wouldn't be able to handle that and that are trying to get you onto their side, they're not coming from faith. They're coming from fear. It's all based they're, fear based. They're coming from fear. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, you have a podcast as well because we've got to wrap it up. You've got a podcast as well. Yes. Tell us the name of your podcast. Uh, the name of my podcast is at Dr. N Educate Now Podcast, where life is a classroom. Um, and we, and we have uh, welcome back Cotter music in the background. Um, and I thought Gabe, you're trying to attract the the millennials, are you? Yes, we are. Um, and so actually I do lunches and I'm on, I got the mic and I do lunches and, and I always do work, you know, do word of the day with the kids. And I try to be funny sometimes when I, okay, sit straight with your mask on and making sure the kids routine, even in our, even in our cafeteria, we don't have, they don't face each other in the cafeteria. Everybody faces the same direction. So there's not problems with the pandemic. Brilliant. Oh, that's a great idea. That's it's a great, great idea. idea. Well, so, I've learned so much today. I really have. And I, I definitely have to have you on again because we've got to go so much deeper. No, we'll go. Oh, well, there's so many layers that we didn't cover. Yeah, exactly. But I think we did touch on a few. So, you know, you parents no, out there, awesome. that are, you know, again, I'm going to go back to, you know, especially, especially right now when the energy is so dense. Okay. There's so much uncertainty out there. I understand you've got certainly got your struggles, but understand that you're forming your children. Okay. And if you are feeling that stress, you know, it it, it does bleed on to them as well. So, you know, what you chose to be parents. So you need to be reflective on this and really you know, not put so much pressure. I mean, you, you don't want to raise a child that's going to have anxiety their whole life. Trust me, yep. I'm one of those. And that's something that I have to deal with every day. I mean, I'm not complaining about my life, but you know what? Now knowing this, am I going to open my mouth about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, I've said before, you don't want to live in this head for like 10 minutes. You don't want to live no. with this head. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I have tools and I know how to handle it, but sure. I'm telling you, you can feel like you're going crazy. No, that's right. You're right. Absolutely. Okay. Until next time. Until um, next time. Part two. Yes. Part two. And thank you so much for uh, tuning in today. If you haven't joined my YouTube channel, please subscribe. It's Tina Marks TV. And my podcast is Transparent with Tina. And we will see you next time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.